0: Obviously, we are changing up our normal order of service today. If you've been with us for a while, you know that we do this occasionally, hoping to sing more in response to the word rather than in preparation to hear the word like we usually do. Today is like that, only we have the added joy of observing the Lord's Supper together as we sing later on in the service. I'm really excited about that. So as we move through the text today, I want you to be preparing your heart for that. Be preparing your heart uh, to take the bread and the cup in remembrance of what God has done for us in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Last week, we wrapped up a three-week look at chapter 1, verses 3 through 11 of Second Peter. We doubled down on the importance of the necessity, the importance and the necessity of sanctification for the believer to have confidence of final glorification. In other words, if, if we claim to have justification, if we claim to have been converted by God's grace, We need to have sanctification, the growth in godliness to have confidence that we will experience glorification. That's part of what Pastor Peter is laying out for us. As he said, brothers and sisters, be all the more diligent to make your calling and election sure. Friends, your pastors want you to have a reasonable and biblical confidence that you have been saved. A reasonable and biblical confidence that you will not stumble. A reasonable and biblical confidence that you will be welcomed into Christ's eternal kingdom. That confidence is, of course, ultimately rooted in the power and the grace of God. But that confidence is also visible through your progressive sanctification. So the question that I asked you is, are you growing? Are you growing in Christ likeness? Maybe even a deeper question is, do you even want to grow? Do you have a desire to grow? Or are you just completely satisfied with where you are? I hope that you have a desire and you are pursuing growth and God is providing everything you need along the way. Secondly, last week for application, I said, brothers and sisters, we help each other in that walk, in that process of growing in Christ-likeness. We help each other by affirming and encouraging when we observe progress, when we see somebody acting like Jesus, we encourage them, we point it out and we say, that, that's it, that's, that's what we're talking about, that's good stuff, keep up that good work, and we also help each other by confronting and warning when we see regression, when we see worldliness, when we see sin, we point it out in love, in gentleness, in a spirit of restoration so that we can help each other repent and walk in faithfulness. All of this implies, if we're going to help each other, it implies fellowship. It implies sharing. It implies intimacy and vulnerability. And we've got work to do in those areas. Well, over the last few weeks, we've seen the importance of connecting words in Second Peter. Words like, therefore, that Pastor Peter has been using to keep his argument together And today is really no different. And while this seems to be a new thought, what we're going to look at today, it's absolutely connected to what we have seen over the last few weeks. We will very much see Pastor Peter's pastoral heart for these people. Even as his life nears its end, he wants them to know the truth. He wants them to cherish the truth. He wants them to live out the truth. He wants them to be ready to stand firm in the truth and avoid the damning heresies that these false teachers are promoting. Pastor Peter loves these people and therefore he cares about their souls. And your pastors love you and therefore we care about your souls. That's why we pray for you. That's why we preach to you. We might not have much time left. We might be like, Pastor Peter, we don't have much time left. And there are all kinds of lies and all types of liars out there. And so we seek week in and week out, day in and day out, to establish you in the truth. Let's read that truth together in Second Peter chapter 1. Today we're going to look at verses 12 to 15. Read it with me. And then we'll pray. Verse 12 says, Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent, as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. And I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. Let's pray together. Oh, Father in heaven, you never change. Your love endures forever. Your word will stand for all of eternity. And we are super thankful that the good news of salvation by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, never changes. We are thankful that the one way to eternal life is the same now as it was when Peter wrote this letter. And it will be the same until the very end of the age. So Lord, help us remember today. These things that we already know, that we are established in, that we love, let us remember them and rejoice Forgive us, Lord, when we desire something different, something new, something better, as if that was possible. Teach us to rest and rely on the simple message of your grace in Christ. Saying this, we know that there are some with us today who've never tasted of your goodness and grace in Christ. Oh, Father, use your word. Use the supper Use the songs we will sing, work by the Spirit to open their eyes, to change their hearts, and to bring them in for your glory. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so look with me at verse 12. The very first word is therefore. Last week I tried to argue that the therefore was connecting most closely to the last two statements from the week before, specifically the two sides of the coin in verses 8 and 9. If you remember that, Pastor Peter said, if these qualities are yours and they are increasing, good news, right? Good news. Keep on growing, but good news. If they are not yours, bad news. Watch out. Something's wrong. So that, therefore last week was pretty limited and quite specific. But this week here, it is much more broad. Arguably stretching all the way back to verse 3 and indicating that this, what we're going to see today, is a response to all that we've looked at over the last month. Here from the pulpit. This is flowing out of all of that from the last month. Tom Schreiner gives a really good summary of Peter's message that we've looked at for the last month when he says this Christ has given believers everything they need for life and godliness and has called them by his powerful grace. That's verses three and four, and we want to rejoice over that, right? He's given us everything and he's called us by his grace. Schreiner goes on and says, Such grace serves as an incentive for a godly life of virtue. That's verses five through seven. That's what Pastor Dylan preached to you a couple of weeks ago. And a life of godliness is necessary for entering the eternal kingdom. That's verses eight and 11, what we dealt with in verses 10 and 11 specifically last week. This life of virtue is necessary. Schreiner goes on and says, such a godly life is not, is not the earning of salvation, but is still necessary for salvation we would say as evidence of conversion, as proof of conversion, as fruit of salvation. And so Peter feels constrained, therefore, to remind the readers in verses 12 to 15 of his teaching because eternal life is at stake. That's why he says therefore. Therefore, based on all of that, All of that that God has given to us and has called us by his grace. All of that life that we are to live. All of the urgency with which we should live it. We must live it, in fact. He's going to say, therefore. Therefore, i got to remind you of this. Three times today he's going to say, I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you of this. I want to remind you of this. And sometimes when we encounter things like that, we're like, I got it. I got it already, Pastor Peter. I hear you. But we don't. And we evidence that by our lives. So, we want to hear this text. Therefore, he says in verse 12, I will always be ready to remind you of these things. Don't you love his heart here? The heart of a pastor? He's making it his mission in life and his ministry to always be reminding people of these things. Interestingly, the word for these things has been on repeat over the last few weeks, really, since the beginning of the letter. He says in verse 4, for by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises. In verse 8 he says, for if these are yours and increasing. In verse 9 he says, for he who lacks these. In verse 10 he says, "Uh, if you practice these things you will never stumble. And now in verse 12 he's still talking about these things. Three times we'll see Peter emphasize the importance of the reminder. He wants to do everything he can so that these people don't forget. He wants to do everything he can to make them remember. And he's in good company in doing this. He's in really good company as he does this. As we read the Bible, we see that the Lord himself, God himself is very concerned that his people don't forget, that they remember who they are and what he has done for them. We see this especially in the Old Testament, right? There are tons of Old Testament examples of this where God says, I want you to do this thing so that you remember what happened. I want you to make a pile of rocks here so that when you travel back through here, you remember what happened in this place. And he set up regular reminders of this, right? The weekly Sabbath, the day of rest, is a reminder of God's goodness to them. Look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 5. So once a week, they get a reminder. He says in chapter 5, verse 12, "...observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy, as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God." In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant and your female servant may rest as well as you. Look at verse 15. You shall remember, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. A there lot, are a lot of reasons for the Sabbath day. It's really good for us to have a Sabbath and a rest. But here in this text, as he commands it to them, he says specifically, this is a weekly reminder. A weekly reminder that you were a slave and the Lord brought you out. He wants his people to remember on a weekly basis what he has done for them. He also wants them to remember in another way that we think of as the Passover, in the Passover. It's designed to help them remember annually his good work for them. Look at it in Deuteronomy chapter 16. Verse 1 says, observe the month of Abib and celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. You shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and, in the, and the herd, in the place where the Lord chooses to establish his name. You shall not eat unleavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat, eat with it unleavened bread, the bread of affliction, for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, look at this, so that you may remember all the days of your life the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. You catch that? The Lord's desire, so that you may remember all the days of your life what he has done for you. God desires that his people remember. We see throughout the Old Testament this rhythm of festivals and pilgrimages and sacrifices, all to help his people remember who they are, who he is, and what he has done for them. And so that's part of why we're gonna take the supper today because it's designed to do the same thing for us, right? Does not Jesus say, do this In remembrance of me. Will we not say that twice later on today when I say, take this bread, do this in remembrance of me. Drink this cup, do this in remembrance of me. It's designed to be a tangible reminder of the main thing, the main gospel thing. And we need reminders of the main thing on the regular. God is teaching us that. So we read in verse 12, therefore I will always be ready, Pastor Peter says, to remind you of these things even though you already know them, read on, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present in you. What an affirmation this is of Peter's audience, right? Receive it that way if you are in the faith. Receive it as this affirmation, as Pastor Peter's saying, you already know these things. This is not new. You have been saved by God's grace. This is not breaking news, earth-shattering news for you. This is something you already know And they are established in the truth that is present in them. In other words, there is evidence that they know these things because they are growing in sanctification. In other words, what Peter is talking about here is about discipleship. It's about sanctification rather than about evangelism and conversion. It's not about the beginning of their spiritual life. It's about their growth in spiritual life. These people were already Christians. These people were already growing And he's using this to encourage them to press on even more. That's like a lot of you. A lot of you already know these things. A lot of you are established in them and growing in them. And I want to remind you of those things today. But that doesn't mean this can't be evangelistic, right? Surely it can also be evangelistic because it would be crazy for me to think that in a room like this, every person is a faithful follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are as lost as lost can be. You are absolutely dead in your trespasses and sins. and God can make you alive today. One of the things that we celebrate when we celebrate the supper is the holiness of God. That God is holy, holy, holy. There are these angels who fly around him all day and all night, forever and ever. And all they do is say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. They never stop saying that. Because he is holy. and Because he is holy, he must punish sin. He can't just look at unrighteousness. He can't not just look at transgression and look the other way, sweep it under the carpet and act as if it didn't exist. No, he is holy and he must punish sin, which is bad news for us because we are all sinners who fall short of the glory of God, right? We are all sinners by our nature. Like we're born with this and we're sinners by our choice. We choose it with high-handed rebellion that we love sin more than we love God and therefore we deserve eternal condemnation. This this business of a holy God and a sinful man is bad news for us because we are the sinful man. If that was all there was to the story, I would say pack it up, go home, and go to your barns and cry because there's no hope. But there is hope. There is hope in the person and work of Jesus Christ who was God in the flesh, who dwelt among us, who lived a life that we cannot live and died the death that we deserve. He took our sin as if it was his own and suffered on the cross in our place. Experienced the full measure of the wrath of God. He drank the cup dry so that we might be forgiven. So that his righteousness might be credited to our account so that we might be reconciled to God, forgiven, cleansed and restored, given new and eternal life. Jesus did all the work necessary for us to be saved. And he offers the salvation to us as a gift, a free gift. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He offers us this free gift that we receive by faith, by believing, by trusting, by resting our whole weight on the person and work of Jesus Christ, and by repenting of our sins. Did you go to Sunday school this morning? If you went to Sunday school this morning, you talked about repentance. What is repentance? It is a genuine turning from sin and toward God. Repentance and faith go hand in hand and that's how we receive salvation. So let me invite you, if you are one of those on the outside, if you are one of those in the dark, if you are one of those separated from God because of your sins, repent and believe today and be saved. You get a brand new heart, a brand new life, a family to walk together with. He rescues and redeems and he's glorified in doing it. Repent of your sins and believe today. What an affirmation This statement is of Peter's audience. You already know these things and you've been established in them and what a pattern this is for us to follow. I see here that we need a regular reminder of the gospel in our lives. As believers in Jesus, as pastors of the church, as deacons and Sunday school teachers and regular faithful attenders, we need regular reminders of the gospel in our lives. Michael Green says, such is the sometimes willful such is the sometimes willful forgetfulness of the human heart that one of the prime functions of a Christian minister must be to keep the basic facts of Christian truth and conduct always before the minds of his congregation. It's so one of my jobs is to keep teaching you the ABCs. Some of you can write lectures and poems and beautiful, beautiful books. And you need to be reminded week in and week out of the ABCs, the basics of the gospel. That's one of my jobs. Peter, Pastor Peter, knew what it was like to be forgetful of the basics. Knew what it was like to be forgetful of the main thing. He knew what it was like to be close to Jesus. He knew what it was like to be familiar with the truth, dramatically impacted by it, but to be, as one scholar said, wobbly and forgetful. Can you think of moments where Peter was wobbly and forgetful? There's a laundry list of them, right? He's the wobbliest dude we know. And so he needed these reminders. We must have constant reminders so that we don't forget the main thing. That's one thing. This is a pattern for us. We need regular reminders of the gospel. And two, we don't need a new thing. Church, we don't need a new th- you don't need a new thing. You need the old thing over and over and over. You don't need a new thing. There's not a new thing. You need the old thing over and over and over. Dick Lucas helpfully says, we should be wary then of people who arrive with a new or different Christian message and look out for the danger sign that Peter's basic lesson is being sidetracked in favor of a more attractive or relevant message. Is there a more attractive message than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Is there a more relevant message than the gospel of Jesus Christ? Are there people peddling nonsense? absolutely they're everywhere you don't need a new thing you need the old thing over and over and over one of my friends said it better than dick lucas when he said you don't need a new thing you've already got the best thing you don't need a new thing you've already got the best thing but do you love the old thing do you love the gospel do you cherish it here's a test did your posture change a minute ago when I went into the basics of the gospel? Christian, did your posture change a minute ago when I started talking about the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man? When I started talking about the sacrifice of Christ and the necessity of repentance and faith? When I did that thing that I do every week, did your posture change? Did you sit back and say, I don't need this. I already know this. This is for them. I don't need this anymore. Listen, if that's what happens, week in and week out, when we go back to those basic gospel messages, if you're like, boring, heard it a thousand times, if that's happening in your heart, man, danger, 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 red flag. I'm telling telling you this because I love you. If that's what's happening in your heart, that's a dangerous place to be. Do you get bored with our approach of simply going to the Bible week in and week out? We were talking uh, in the office the other day about, you know, Dylan, Dylan talked about 14 years of, of preaching here the other day, did, did some quick math and realized that's just shy of 2,000 messages. Just, just shy of 2,000 sermons that I've delivered to you. And it's basically the same thing every week, right? I mean, it really is basically the same thing every week. Open the book, explain what it means, try to live it out. Praise the Lord for it. Is that boring? Man, if you're bored with God you're bored with the gospel, that's danger, grave danger, possibly eternal danger. Pastor Dylan was talking about this this week and he talked about uh, a moment in his high school uh, basketball career where a coach was on him about something and he said, I know, don't do that with the Lord. Don't do that with that coach either, right? That was one of the lessons. Don't do that with the Lord. Like if you're hearing the thing that you've heard a bunch of times, don't say, Oh no, give me something new. It's not something new. Brothers and sisters, it'll be the same thing forever and ever to the glory of God. We need to be regularly reminded of the gospel. We don't need a new thing. We need the old thing. Look at verse 13. He says, I consider it right as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling to stir you up by way of reminder, knowing that the laying aside of my earthly dwelling is imminent as also our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. This is his second declaration of his intention to remind them. There are a couple of distinct and interesting features of this declaration that I want to draw your attention to. First, it's urgent. It's like super urgent because Peter knows his time is short. Peter is aware of his imminent death. How? We don't know exactly. Maybe he can just read the writing on the wall with Nero on the throne and his escalating persecution of the church. Maybe the Lord has given him some kind of dream or vision. I tend to think here that Peter's referring to John chapter 21 when he talks about the Lord Jesus Christ has made this clear to me. Look at John 21, starting in verse 18. This is after that whole, do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you love me? Yeah, I love you. Feed my sheep. It's after that scene. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wished, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Now nearly every biblical scholar says that's where Jesus told him. That's where Jesus told him how he was going to die. You're going to go to a cross, just like me, follow me. Follow me, Peter. I tend to think from that day forward, from John 21 forward, Peter was living with this great sense of urgency. Like that day is just around the corner. And we should live that way. Because the reality is, it is. It's just around the corner for all of us. Just around the corner for all of us. The end is near, Peter said in the last letter. First of all, there's urgency because his time is short. Second of all, this is stimulating because they are prone to go to sleep. The word that's used here for stir you up, I intend to stir you up by way of reminder, means to arouse completely or to thoroughly awaken from lethargy, drowsiness, or sleep. You think that word means something extra to Peter? To be awakened from sleep? Do you remember one of those wobbly moments in Peter's life in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus said, wait here while I go over there and pray? And Jesus pouring out his soul in anguish Oh, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Like sweating drops of blood in the anguish over what was coming. And he gets up and he goes back and finds Peter asleep. Asleep. He can't even stay awake. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Peter says, In light of that, it's my intention, as long as I'm in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder, to keep you awake. R.C. Sproul says, Peter is saying, that so long as he is alive, he will continue to issue wake-up calls. He knows that he needs to rouse his readers from slumber and call them to vigilance in working out their faith. I consider that my responsibility as well. to Issue wake-up calls. Some of you need those more than others. Some of you need them like literally on Sunday morning. Issue wake-up calls. You're spiritually sleepy at least. So wake up. And how does he tend to stir them up? By some new thing, some flashy thing, something they've never heard of before. How does he intend to stir them up? By way of reminder. By way of reminder, because the old story has that power. He's stirring them up, not with hot button political slogans, not with new revelations, but with the fundamental basic truths of the gospel. There's urgency here and it's stimulating. There's also probably a third lesson that's a minor point here. It's a good reminder about how we as believers should view death. Peter is not fearful of death at all. Rather, he views his imminent death as a motivation for faithfulness, a motivation for endurance in faithfulness. He knows that his life in this body is only temporary. In fact, Pastor Dylan, when we were talking about this this week, he kind of got hung up on some of the translations that instead of saying earthly dwelling, say tent. As long as I'm in this tent... It's the truth, right? This body you've got, this world that you live in it's temporary we are strangers and aliens, exiles in this world this is not our home we long to be in eternity with him in the permanent dwelling that he has made for us in Christ it's a good reminder about how to view death we don't need to be fearful of it in Christ, we need to see our imminent death as motivation for faithfulness read on in verse 15 he says, and I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you'll be able to call these things to mind. This is the third time in these short verses that he has communicated his desire that these people not forget these things even after he's gone. He's like, I'm going to work hard to remind you of these things. I'm going to stir you up as long as I'm here because I'm about to be gone. And when I'm gone, I want to have done the work that is necessary for you to be able to call these things to mind. Peter is aware of his limitedness and he's aware of these false teachers and he wants to spend every moment he's got equipping them for faithful christian living even when he's gone this verse 15 makes me think about legacy what will your legacy be when you're gone will you have led and taught and lived in such a way that people will be able to call to reminder these things these things when you're gone is your message and ministry and life about the gospel of Jesus Christ so that people will speak it when you're gone. We're gonna sing, a, or actually Laura's gonna sing a song in a minute that we sing together Wednesday night. One of the verses says, and when I'm old and gray and all my days are numbered on this earth, let it be known. In you alone, my joy was found. She'll go on and say, let my children tell their children. Let this be their memory that all my treasure was in heaven and you were everything to me. speaking of the Lord, not those children, I want my children and their children and their children and their, their children to know that the Lord Jesus Christ was everything to me. And they will not know that if all I ever talk about is baseball. They will not know that if all I ever talk about is them. They will know that if all you ever talk about is the Lord Jesus Christ. If you stir them up by way of reminder, on the regular martin lloyd jones sums up this text by saying the business of the church and of preaching is not to present us with new and interesting ideas it is rather to go on reminding us of certain fundamental and eternal truths that god is holy man is sinful christ died for sinners and that you can be saved by grace alone through faith alone in christ alone so what do you need to do today you need to set a reminder I sometimes punch things into my phone or into my computer, and Siri will say, do you want me to set a reminder? Yes, I do. Yes, I like she knows that I'm prone to forget. And so she says, you want me to set a reminder? I need a reminder. Well, how do we set a reminder in our spiritual lives? Maybe we use Siri. That's not something they were planning Siri to do. They were not designing Siri to aid you along in your walk of sanctification, but you can use her that way. Siri, set a reminder at 5.30 a.m. to read the book. Siri, set a reminder for 6 a.m. to spend time in prayer. What are the reminders that we need? They are the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life. They are daily Bible reading. They are regular church attendance. All of those things are good reminders, not some new thing, but reminders of the old thing. And listen, you guys know this if you've been engaged for a while. Sometimes the old thing feels brand new. Sometimes that old, old thing hits you with freshness and newness. It's not because, not because it's changed, but because the Lord has opened your eyes. Oh, praise his name for that. Set a reminder and be involved in spiritual discipline so that you don't forget. Number two, embrace the old, old story. Listen, there are a lot of guys out there saying, come to X church, we've got a brand new thing. I got a brand new word from the Lord. Oh, be at least cautious of that. Because he has given us everything necessary for life and godliness. He has already given everything necessary for life and godliness. That's verse three of this same chapter. Embrace the old, old story. Love it. Rejoice. Lean into it. Don't shy away from it. Don't get bored by it. Does your wife like when, you, when she starts to tell the story, when you go to Jackson, Tennessee, and you drive past all those places, that spot behind Kroger that means so much, and you drive by that place and she starts to tell that story again, do you say, oh, I already know this one. Boring. I've heard it a thousand times. I was even there when it happened. I don't need to hear it again. Is that honoring to your bride? Answer, no. That is not helpful. But to lean into that story because you love it so much, because it is your life, even more than the gospel, even more than your, even more than your, uh, what's that called? Proposal story. The gospel is your life. So embrace the old, old story and beware of a new thing. And lastly, this you're going to need to Make a jump here with me. All of this business of remembering is not just a scholastic exercise in recall of facts. All of this remembering that Peter desires for them is not just that they would be able to regurgitate the facts of the gospel. There's a life obedience element to it all. He wants them to remember these things and live accordingly, right? That's pastoral. We don't want you just to be able to ace the trivia test I want you to live faithfully unto Christ. Douglas Moo, I think, nailed this when he said the biblical authors are clearly concerned that Christians might forget even the most basic truths of the gospel, not in a mental sense, but in a volative and practical sense. I may mentally remember that Christ died for my sins, but I may not, but it may not make that truth a vital part of my person and behavior and instead become consumed with guilt and dread. I may mentally remember that God calls me to lead a holy life and warns me of the consequences if I do not, but am I may still fail to be concerned about leading a holy life. It's about more than just a scholastic exercise in recall. It's about a life change. It's about growth and sanctification from beginning to end. James would say, don't be merely hearers of the word, be doers. Brothers and sisters, be doers of the word. Let's stand together and pray. Father help us to remember give us reminders stir us up with the old message give us a desire to engage in spiritual disciplines personal spiritual disciplines help us to embrace the old old story and God we ask that this would be more than a scholastic exercise but it be a walk of discipleship growth in Christ likeness We pray for men and women and boys and girls who are lost, who are dead, who are blind. Only you can change them. And you can. We know you can because you have for us. So we ask that you would. That you would teach them about your holiness and their sinfulness. That you would open their eyes to Christ's sacrifice on the cross for them. And that you would grant them faith to trust in Jesus and grant them repentance to turn from sin toward you. I pray that you'll do all of this for your own glory. In Christ's name.